But what I typically observe, there's usually about maybe two, three to four major problems that exist in any given field. Uh, so, but if you know what those more key weed problems are, but get it identified properly. And then as part of that, begin to understand how does it grow and develop it, develop. Uh, what's its life cycle? Uh, when does it start germinating? Uh, when does it, uh, uh, so what time of year do you typically see most of it begin to germinate? And then, you know, when does it go through its reproductive phases? Uh, and or if it's a perennial, can it come back from its root system? Uh, and not just from seed, but, uh, you know, part of overall weed control in any system is a numbers game. Uh, you're trying to minimize the ability of those plants to reproduce and to, uh, to propagate. Hey, hey, it's Shay, and you're listening to Casual Cattle Conversations, the podcast for cattle producers to explore new ideas that will help improve their overall management practices. Speaking of improving management, I want to encourage you to take a look at the lineup for the quarter two Rancher Mind events. These laid back Q&A calls are between industry experts and fellow beef producers, and quarter two is all about labor challenges. I mean, we're talking how, when, and where to find the right help, when to integrate new technology onto your operation, and how to become a more efficient manager and leader overall. If you want more information on being a part of these producer-driven conversations, head to the show notes and click the link that'll take you straight to my website. With that, let's hear what our guest has to share with us today. Hey folks, I've got a quick message from our friends at the Red Angus Association of America, and we're going to talk about the cow, because on her shoulders rests the genetic basis of any cow herd. It's a weight she carries effortlessly year after year, so it's no wonder they call her the foundation female. It's critical she measures up to your expectations for longevity, performance, and fertility. Now, how can you create more high-quality females while eliminating the intensive time, guesswork, and upfront costs that accompany heifer development? Well, progressive producers can elevate their herd by enrolling in Red Angus Red Choice, a program designed to aid in developing the highest quality heifers through genomic testing, AI technology, and veterinarian partnerships. Heifers that meet the criteria are more likely to stay in the herd, propagate the best genetics, and make a positive impact on your bottom line, which is increasingly more important as input prices soar. So learn more about the Red Choice program and capitalizing on your female's genetic potential at redangus.org. Well, good morning, Dr. J.D. Green. It's great to have you on the show today or this week, I guess, depending on when people are going to be listening to it. But we are going to talk about weed control in pastures and kind of what that looks like and some different methods there. But before we dive into that very important topic, would you please tell those in the audience who are out there listening from around the country where you're located and what you're doing in the agriculture industry today. Okay, I'm, I'm located in Lexington, Kentucky um, on the U University of Kentucky campus. Uh, I have been uh, associated with uh, this position for 37 years now. So I've uh, had the opportunity to experience a lot of different situations regarding the weed control. And I deal with weed control issues uh, ranging from grain crops and forages are 
of crops are, are my two primary areas that I work in, but I also deal with some other weed control issues. So I'm curious, what drew you to the weed control, um, pasture management, forage management side in your career? What was your biggest draw to go down this career pathway? Well, I, it really probably the emphasis was more on the grain crops, uh, on the, the row crop area. Uh, actually, I spent a little bit of time in Oklahoma working on my graduate degree program. So I had an opportunity to get some experience beyond just corn and soybeans, but also some cotton and peanuts. Uh, but as I've uh, evolved into this role uh, as an extension weed scientist uh, here in Kentucky, we have a, a pretty large area of uh, forage-based agriculture uh, from pastures to hay production and, and so forth. So uh, there's a there's certainly a, a big need for dealing with those uh, weedy or undesirable plants that we'd experience in those kind of uh, situations as well. Well, awesome. So before we, you know, really started the interview, you said that you do a lot of talks or presentations to cattle producers in the winter about this topic, weed control. So what have been some of those um, topics or highlights about weed control that you've been speaking to cattle producers about this winter? So whenever I give a, a presentation to cattlemen's groups or others uh, that we're focusing primarily on on pastures and hayfield weed control, uh, I'd usually try to start with the, just a good general overview of uh, discussing what are some of the major weed problems we have in Kentucky uh, and, and some of the reasons that some of these weed problems exist uh, that particularly as it relates to how we manage or, or uh, utilize different land areas uh, over time can can impact the kind of unwanted vegetation that begins to dominate those areas and then uh, dive into some of the weed control methods that uh, we have available to us to deal with those those weedy problems. In fact, I, I often mention that forages or pastures I consider as a perennial cropping system where we maintain the same desirable vegetation on that landscape uh, for an extended period of time, unlike our, our row crops or field crop situations. And then obviously deal into some more specific weed problems that uh, we have, at least in our area, and try to discuss some of the different tactics to, to try to help deal with those particular problems to minimize their impact. So, you know, you just said, you know, deal with those problems to minimize their impact. Why should weed control be on the forefront of all of the minds of all cattle producers? Why should this matter? Why should they be proactive about it? Why is it important for cattle producers to take action and make sure that their management practices are reducing weed populations? Well, what, there, there's a number of reasons I, I feel that uh, weed control is important in our pasture fields. And uh, some of this is based upon my observations as uh, over the years, as well as some of the research that I have done in this area. But first and foremost, that weeds can reduce uh, forage quantity or the amount of forage that's produced. Uh, and subsequently, if we're reducing the amount of desirable forages uh, available for use, then it also can reduce the carrying capacity of the number of animals we'd like to graze particularly for those individuals who are trying to maximize uh, the utilization of that land resource. Now, I do run across uh, producers who have a lot more land uh, where you know, they can 
they can uh, live with a little bit more fewer more weeds in, in a in that given situation because uh, they're not in a real highly maximized animal production in that situation. But if but if uh, we're trying to maximize total use of that land resource, then weeds can reduce the the quantity of the forages available. Uh, and I'd also argue that uh, it can also impact the forage stand life. Uh, when you have undesirable plants in the landscape, they will uh, help. Um, they will will impact the ability of some of our desirable plants to to grow and to thrive. Uh, then subsequently, the quality of the forages that we're trying to graze. Now, obviously, there are some weedy plants that we call weeds will have some forage value, uh, or they have some nutritional value if they're grazed at, at certain times. Um, but uh, but overall, they can reduce the the quantity or the quality of the, not just the quantity, but also the quality of the forages are there. And then another factor is that we have a few plants that are potentially poisonous or toxic to animals. I mean, at least for our, our area here in Kentucky, a lot of times animals will not graze those particular animals unless circumstances shift to where they are forced to, to utilize those plants. But we always have to be aware that there are some potentially toxic plants that uh, can impact animal uh, health and and uh, actually uh, cause death in some cases. So what are some of those, you know, management practices that are not going to be the best for pastures and are going to increase weed populations? What do some of those mismanagement practices look like that are actually going to increase weed populations and not help pasture and soil quality? Well, there's two primary factors that I often talk about in my introduction to, to groups that I talk with. And, and the two factors uh, are basically our management practices, the things that we do or the things that we don't do. Um, and there, there's a whole host of different things we can think about uh, there in that regard. Uh, and it's all part of the equation I think for the as a control tool as well, but one of the bigger ones on the cultural side of things or the management side of things is just grazing practices. Um, we, you know, how we're grazing animals. Uh, one of the things I like about rotational grazing system, we give a chance for for the grass to get a little rest to revive, and we're not stressing the root systems of the plant uh, as much. Uh, but animals are selected grazers and they're gonna select for those desirable plants and they leave what they don't like. So when we leave those unwanted plants, which are the primary weeds we have in Kentucky, uh, and I suspect across the, 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 uh, the US, uh, those are the plants that go to the, through the reproductive phases and subsequently we get a shift more towards those unwanted plants in the, that kind of a uh, environment. The other thing is that main factor is the environment. Uh, certain plants grow best in certain environments. Some like uh, hot uh, weather. Uh, some weedy plants grow best in hot, dry weather. Other plants, uh, weedy plants grow best when it's wet and cooler conditions. So we even season to season, you see maybe more of a dominance of one over another in, in, our, in some of our pasture fields, especially. So that's in pastures, but what what about those hay fields? What's going to cause an increase in weed populations in those fields? Well, in, in hay fields, uh, it is somewhat of a different 
from the standpoint is we're more on a cutting re regime in that regards. And in Kentucky, we have mostly a cool season based forages. In fact, some of the more concerning weed problems we have will not be in that first cutting of hay. But it's when we cut that hay, we are removing all that top growth. We allow sunlight to hit the soil surface. We get a little bit of moisture. And then here comes our warm season weedy plants. Uh, things specifically that, that are impacting us is things like yellow foxtail. Uh, and then we have Johnson grass uh, that doesn't really, it, it's a perennial, but it doesn't really get its real active growth started until about midsummer. Uh, and then on top of that, when we're cutting hay, we're also moving those, uh, particularly when those plants go to seed, we're moving them around as part of our hay production system. Hey folks, I've got a quick question for you. Do you know the magical feeling that comes when things just work out? Like when the vet says all your cows are bred? Don't you wish you could feel that more often? Well, I'm here to tell you you can by using Cattle ID. With Cattle ID, you can store, share, and collaborate on your herd records from your mobile device. Yes, I said collaborate because multiple people on your operation can analyze and access this information at one time. So you can say goodbye to the back and forth miscommunication and misplaced records. And that's not all. Cattle ID also serves up actionable analytics to help you and your team make smarter, more informed decisions for your ranch. So let Cattle ID take some of the burden off of your shoulders and make ranching easier. You can get started online and learn more about Cattle ID by going to cattleidapp.com. And that link will also be in the show notes. Right. So switching gears a little bit, how, what are some different methods to control weeds? You know, like you mentioned grazing a little bit already, but what are some other opportunities to reduce weed populations if cattle producers recognize that it already is a problem or could be a problem if they don't take action? Well, I kind of look at, uh, again, in our forage-based systems, um, there's different tools in the toolbox, uh, and we have more of an opportunity to use those different tools. Uh, first and foremost, and I've kind of alluded to it already, is our cultural practices and or, and or management, however you want to classify that. And that's the things that we do or could do uh, to try to uh, maximize the growth and development of the desirable forages that we're, we'd like to, to have. Um, that may mean interceding more more uh more grass and or legumes into the into the mix to thicken the stand up uh in in that system uh it uh also may mean uh for fields that that are more productive we need to be soil testing to see where the fertility level is uh, because the fertility level is not desirable for those plants we're trying to grow, then it's going to impact that. And then, of course, the, one of the big ones is, is our grazing practices. So cultural practices, uh, in fact, I tell a lot of audiences, uh, maybe at least, uh, you know, maybe 60% of weed control um, in, in these, these kind of uh, systems. And then another big one tool in the toolbox is our mechanical control, and that's mowing or clipping pastures. Um, and there we're trying, if we're using that as a weed management tool, we want to try to time that. The timing question is probably the bigger question as to beyond just the fact that we're going to mow for weed control. So that means that we need to be uh, timely of trying to 
reduce new seed production of the undesirable plants. It's not just removing top growth. That's part of it, particularly for perennials, but also we're trying to reduce uh, the amount of new seed being produced by these uh, weedy uh, type plants that, that are in the system. And then of course, another tool in the toolbox are, are herbicides or chemical control. Uh, in that case, we're, we're relying on, on a chemical control method. And with herbicides, um, timing is important as, as well. Uh, we've got to learn to recognize these plants when they're younger, when they're in their earlier growth stages in some cases. And in other cases, uh, we may need to um, wait later in the summer when we can more maximize the uptake into the plant into the root system of the plant, particularly for perennial type species. Um, but uh, but the, most of the herbicides we have, for all practical purposes, the herbicides we have available to us will help us control broadleaf uh, species. And some of them are quite good for certain species. Uh, um, and there's some, about four or five or six uh, major active ingredients that are in most herbicide products that we have available to us. Um, and it depends on what part of the country you're from as to what particular herbicide might be available to you for that, for that system. Now, one of the dilemmas we have in Kentucky is uh, we have, we like to have clovers being part of our pasture mix. So when we have a grass clover mixture, then we're extremely limited on our herbicide choices. And then we've got to utilize some of the other, other methods, methods for control. Uh, a couple other things I'll mention from a weed management tool perspective that I think are things we need to always think about is uh, one is prevention, uh, is don't, um, if you see a plant that's, that's starting to come into an area, uh, tackle it early and not wait till it gets to be a bigger problem. Um, of course, one of the things I, I sometimes mention with prevention is, is when we're bringing hay to the farm, uh, we're purchasing hay from other areas and bringing it in, into the farm. We're we're probably not bringing in weed-free hay. Uh, it's probably potentially has potentially not always, but it may have some plants that are undesirable. Uh, then I've ran into a situation here in Kentucky this past year of some uh, some tall fescue seed that I, I was sent a picture of a seed tag that had uh, on the seed tag indicated that it had some poison hemlock in it. Uh, so just paying attention to some of our production practices may help minimize uh, introduction of some unwanted plants uh, in that regard. Thank you for bringing up those points because they're all, those are great considerations for people to remember. And something that's been talked about a lot on the show is that prevention is key, like try to prevent the problem. So that way you don't have to worry about managing it once it's already there. Just stay on top of things. Right. So, so you mentioned several different methods for weed control. What are some questions producers can ask themselves to see which weed control method is going to be right for their operation? Because you look at geographical areas, landscapes, um, types of operations, everything varies. So what questions can producers ask themselves or maybe what resources can they turn to to figure out which opportunity might be best for them? Well, let me answer that more in the context that I think that our best approach is an integrated approach. We want to integrate different control methods. And of course, as you've alluded to, is you've got to have to ask some questions as to 
uh, how you know which of those tools best fit for a given situation. But it, but a lot of times we need to be integrating at least a couple of those different methods together. I think to maximize our weed control opportunities. Um, so to start with, uh, in that regard, as far as the kind of questions we need to ask is, oh, you know, what are my weed problems? Um, now, when we if we did a full assessment on the on the farm, you're going to come with a long laundry list of different plants. But what I typically observe, there's usually about maybe two, three to four major problems that exist in any given field. Uh, so, but if you know what those more key weed problems are, but get it identified properly. And then as part of that, begin to understand how does it grow and develop it, develop. Uh, what's its life cycle? Uh, when does it start germinating? Uh, when does it... Uh, uh, so what time of year do you typically see most of it begin to germinate? And then, you know, when does it go through its reproductive phases? Uh, and or if it's a perennial, can it come back from its root system uh, and not just from seed? But, uh, you know, part of overall weed control in any system is a numbers game. Uh, you're trying to minimize the ability of those plants to reproduce and to, uh, to propagate. Uh, so you know, we kind of need to know what that is. And of course, one of the key questions as well that I don't have a black and white answer for is how many, uh, how many weeds do I need to have to justify a more drastic approach? And that depends on, again, on the individual and the individual farms uh, and how many animals you have to sustain and what your overall desire is. Uh, I don't think there is a black and white answer to that, but we do know that if you get a, what I call a moderate level of weeds, that are dominating a, a landscape, uh, they are impacting your desirable uh, forages in, in those kind of systems. I really appreciate your honesty in that response and uh, talking about the integrated approach and providing some questions for producers to ask themselves because a lot of times uh, it all starts with a great question. So as we kind of wrap up today, do you have any final thoughts or ideas that you want to share with those cattle producers who are listening to the show? Um, I guess there, there's lots of moving pieces and, and the audiences I talk to, uh, oftentimes I'll mention is, is, is my attempt is to throw out some nuggets uh, because your individual situation really dictates what you may need to do to correct and not everything's going to work for your particular situation but uh but kind of look at your overall situ overall farm and what your needs are and what are my key problems um that i need to tackle and it may mean you don't need to tackle them all at one time you may need to just just work on that because it maybe have taken a few years for you to get into a situation where you feel desperate to deal with your weed problems. It may take a few years to get back to where you'd like to be, but we just kind of have to, to work at that. Uh, but one of the key th things that I think uh, happens uh, oftentimes is our fields, pasture fields get, get a little bit thin uh, where our desirable grasses, uh, have kind of thinned out, but we're reluctant maybe to try to do some interseeding or some other just basic management practices to try to improve the 
again, the overall growth and development of the plants that we'd like to, to, to grow. And sometimes that's managing the number of animals that are in that area. And uh, that's easier said than done. And a lot of things I mentioned are, are not always uh, easy answers because here in Kentucky, we'll start out in the spring of the year after, after, after our growth kicks in for these cool season grasses, we have a lot more grass than we have animals. Then lo and behold, when we go through the, through the summer slump, uh, now we've got more animals than grass. And it's constantly a management, a management it's overall management of the overall system. And uh, the important part of that is uh, the hat I'm wearing is a weed control hat, but there's lots of other things that are, that are going on in, in regards to managing those animals and just their basic needs uh, and other uh, practices to deal with. But there may be a few things that we can do to help minimize some of these weed problems if we're just a little bit timely of uh, whether we're going to mow or clip pastures or we're going to use herbicides as a, as a control tool. It's all in, it's somewhat in the timing. And that, again, that's easier for us to talk about than sometimes implement because there's lots of other things going on. Absolutely. It's uh, cattle producers are dealing with several complex biological systems. So it is a balancing act and there's no one size fits all solution. So thank you very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate all the nuggets of information you shared and those great questions for cattle producers to ask themselves. I know my listeners will appreciate it uh, just as much as I did. So thank you. Shay, thank you for having given me this opportunity to, to share some of my thoughts on the subject. Hey folks, I have a message from our friends at the Red Angus Association of America. As input costs soar, beef producers are eyeing value-added programs to help reach their profitability goals. The Red Angus Feeder Calf Certification Program, the most mature value-added program in the beef industry, is expanding and helping more producers earn premiums on their calves. The FCCP combines three important components into a single value-added program, genetics, source, and age verification. Cattle producers recognize the value of the yellow FCCP tag and continue to see market-topping premiums for a minimal investment by enrolling their Red Angus sired calves. And for those producers who seek age and source verification but are lacking the Red Angus sired component, be sure to check out the Allied Access Program, which is eligible to age and source verify every single calf born in the United States, regardless of breed. For more information on Red Angus value-added programs and the FCCP, please visit redangus.org and start opening new doors to marketing avenues and maximizing your return on investment. And that's a wrap on that one, folks. Thank you for tuning in today and joining in on the conversation. Be sure to take this a step further and take the advice you learned and implement it on your operation. If you want to have a conversation about it, head over to my social media and send me a DM by following at Cattle Convos and connecting with me there. Have a great day.